0: Was using some of the some of the prayers and scriptures from this week in seeking God for the city. If you haven't grabbed one of those, I encourage you to do that today. There, are plenty back there. But each day there were different groups that we were praying for, and let's just together, as much as we've been doing it separately, uh, but on the same page, so to speak, this week. Let's do it together here. Father, I just come before you and, and lead us as one. as we think about different groups within our lives, within our communities here, we thank you for sturdy marriages that reflect your faithfulness and your beauty. but we pray for marriages which are strained to the breaking point that are failing. Oh God, that you would bring hope, that you bring help, that you'd heal broken hearts, restore intimacy in every marriage, that you refresh and recenter every home upon and in you, Jesus. Lord, when you walked this earth, even you looked and you felt compassion, and you healed the sick. While there are less things about sickness in our news around us, there are still many who need your hand of healing and comfort. For any number of different reasons, Lord, that you would be the healer that they need. that you provide in these times. Not just what is needed physically, but emotionally, mentally, in every way. For some, it is such a struggle that even financially they find themselves troubled. It becomes hard for them. For those who have become new to the role of being a caregiver, strengthen them, lift them up. We pray for teachers that would be able to impart not just information, but even wisdom into the character of the students around them. We pray that you would provide the tools and the facilities and all that's needed for those who are homeschooled children to those in public school. We pray for a renewed zeal for truth and virtue. virtue. That believers in those schools would be able to reach one another, to pray for one another. Uh, Lord, we pray as well that you equip those who are in health care. As for many, there's been so much pressure over the time They can end up doing their job, but without a love for it or for the people around them that they're helping. Renew. Renew them, restore within them a loving heart. Help them to persevere with joy. Lord, we think of others who still are struggling, oppression, despair. Not just that which is of this world, but that which has come upon many from outside of this world, so to speak. The enemy himself. We plead the blood of Jesus over and desire to see the captive set free. We thank you that you, Jesus, came not only to destroy the power of death, but to destroy the power of the devil. And we pray that he would have no dealings here. That you would join our hearts together as one co-workers with you, Father, to reflect your glory. You've loved us. You've saved us. And we bear your name. May we bear your beauty. Make us one so that the world will know of your love. May we set aside any jealousies or grudges, repent of sins, Against one another and together in unity come through the power of your Holy Spirit to be all that you have envisioned us to be in this world as salt and light. Lord, be with us now as we enter into from a, a time of worship to a time of your word it is still within your presence it is not and i pray that it would not be me speaking but it would be you through your word and through your holy spirit yes give me those words but lord i believe that you can speak to those who are not only here but those who are listening those um, in their homes you can speak beyond anything i say and I do pray that you would reach beyond just our heads this day that go beyond what our ears hear but that our hearts would hear and we would respond to you that we would be changed by being in your presence in such a way that even others around us notice move and work as only you can and we commit this time To you in Jesus' name. Amen. At this time, children may be dismissed to Children's Church. If the rest of us would turn to Mark chapter 1. Uh, We'll see. Mark chapter 1, verse 29. All right, Mark chapter 1:29. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her and took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also, for that is why I have come. And so we traveled throughout Galilee, preaching their synagogues and driving out demons. Let me ask you a question as we get started this morning. In fact, how did you get started this morning? How many of you have said, or perhaps thought, I'm no good unless I have my cup of coffee in the morning. I'm not going to say a word, okay? I'm going to let that one go, because there's others that say other things like, I'm no good unless I have my breakfast first. After all, it's the most important meal of the day. That's what somebody tells us, or you know what? If I don't get a shower to wake up, I am just not ready for the day. What is it? How do you begin the day in a winning way? You know, we see from our text here how Jesus began his days. I mean, even though Jesus was constantly in prayer throughout the day as needs came up, Jesus was constantly in prayer. It was also his practice to begin each day in prayer connecting with the Father. Look at the key verse today in verse 35. In verse 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus did this not because it was optional, because it was essential, especially considering the crowded, pressure-filled, demanding, difficult days. I mean, just as I just read that, I mean, think about what happened before and at night, all the whole town gathered at the door. And you know, the whole town was gathered at the door at night. That morning, there was already more than the whole town. This time alone with the Father was not just a part of Jesus' day. It was a core part of who He was. Jesus needed this. And if He needed this, how much more do we? How much more is this an example of who we are to be? I wonder how many people would not just say say it but would really believe you know what I'm no good for the day unless I have a cup of the living water of Jesus meaning I'm no good unless I spend time with God in prayer in his word it's not optional it's not an extra add-on Time alone with God in a regular basis is what connects us foundationally with what being a Christian is all about as we think about it. we think about what being a Christian is all about first and foremost, it is about what John 17 verse 3 tells us, Jesus tells us for all that matters. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This time alone with, this is what it's about knowing God, not merely knowing about God, but knowing Jesus in an ongoing, growing relationship that includes a continual connection with God through prayer and His Word. There, there are times with God that are not supposed to be just for special really committed christians you know what we're talking about here is is for any christian every christian if we are in a relationship with god that loves him more than anything more than anyone else in this universe then how can we not be consistently spending time with him talking with him listening to him It may be optional in religion, but it's not optional in any real relationship. After all, who would say of the most important person in the world, in your life, the most important person in your life that you really, really, really love, who would say, but I don't really have to talk with them much? Or... I know they're the most important person in my life and I really, really love them. But, you know, I I only really talk when I need something. Think about it. If it's a real relationship, even, even if that was true, even if it was true like, you know, you had this really free and open relationship where the person didn't expect a lot out of you. You know, like they didn't expect, and you could kind of be like, ah, whenever I talk to you is whenever, you know, but I know that you love me more than anything else. Even if that person exists that would think that way, that's not really the point. The point is in our hearts. Do we love them more than anyone else in this world? If so, then it's not about whether we have to be with them, it's that we want to be with them. If it's a real relationship, we should want to be. We should want to spend time with them. There should be a passion. We talked about last week, not just a passion for prayer, but what must begin and be sustained by a passion in prayer for God. As we connect, even as Jesus connected with the Father. So... Here's the question. When and how do you connect with God? And where do we get this passion in prayer for God? Where do we get it? Well, first of all, we can get a passion for devotions that come out of devotion to God. Now, some of those words might not make sense completely, but I'm going to leave them up there. Uh, When we're talking about Jesus went out, time alone with God, this ta- this personal time alone with God, some people uh, in churches call it, that's their quiet time, their daily quiet time. Others say that's their devotions. Therefore, that's what I've got the word up there. We can get a passion for devotions, meaning our time alone with God. We get passion for devotions, that time alone with God that is... While it's different for different people, it involves prayer, which is us talking to Him and the Word, often Him talking to us. Sometimes what is used in these things, by the way, just kind of in a practical sense, is people in their devotions, their time alone with God, use what is called devotionals. I know for some of you this is like, duh, you know this. Others maybe not heard this before. Devotional is something that helps us get focus in prayer and the Word in tries to help us make a connection uh, to press into a deeper relationship, not trying to get some greater head knowledge that we call deeper that never actually reaches our heart and changes us or our relationship, but something more than that. In a practical way as we're thinking about devotionals, what are we using what are we what are what are some of the ways that we are pressing in and spending time alone with God and many are using those devotionals obviously some just the Bible and and, and prayer we'll talk more about that next week in part two. but there are those even when we think about devotionals are we realizing that even within our kingdom builders our d six and the adult the children and the youth all have devotionals that they can use t- throughout the week to connect them with God that also connects with what was taught on Sunday in Kingdom Builders and also connects with one another. So parents and grandparents can connect in the Word and what has going on with God in them. God, parents and grandparents connect with their children and their youth at the same time through this that we would say is devotionals another devotionals we see even is this seek god for the city that we're talking about as a sense for some a, a devotional there's word that's used there there's prayer and and there are other ones that we're going to do throughout this whole year just kind of trying to get us in in what we've called the uh the journey together the journey together with god and through with god through prayer and his word so we want to see throughout this year, and so we're going to continue to be bugging you about, hey, here's this devotion, and join us on new version. Hey, do this, this, that. Understanding that each of these things are not necessarily all, all that one would do to spend time alone with God, but it's getting a start, or it's getting us together on the same page with this even together. You know, when we think about our our time of devotions and what it does, there we need to have. Often more significant time than just what it takes to, quote, read through or pray through something like this. In other words, in the morning, if that's when you're doing this, you need more than just a piece of toast with butter. Okay? And some of us are spending time alone with God, but it's kind of like just getting a piece of toast with butter on it and that's it. As I said, we'll talk more next week regarding that. But that's just an overview on that. What's important today is that we understand not so much about devotionals, but having devotions with God should come from our devotion. You know, it, it should bring about, it should come from our devotion to God. And I know the problem is when some people hear about devotions or quiet times or devotionals or all that, there are some that say, you know what, that stuff is just kind of a, a, a dry, religious, legalistic duty stuff. As said, when you talk about that kind of church stuff, I, I don't really, I'm not into that. And unfortunately, there are those who do their devotions as something to check off a list. Something new. I did, as a good Christian, I spent time with God, meaning I read a few verses and I said a couple prayers. Interestingly, many who talk about their stellar record of having daily devotions, doing, I, I don't know if maybe you don't have spiritual conversations that even that close with people, but we should be. And some people are like, well, you know, I don't know how my devotions today or I did devotions today. And oftentimes, those are the people who also brush their teeth and. Paid their bills and put on their deodorant and did all the regular things. In other words, they're people who are just kind of, they always do whatever it is. You know, they got it. And unfortunately, right next to brushing your teeth is doing devotions. For some, they see it as a religious exercise. It's something that we need to do, just like physical exercise. That's what your physical exercise is good for you. It's about keeping ourselves healthy. And so the devotions that are time alone with God is like a, a, a spiritual exercise that we really need to do. You know, lift up your prayers, right? Do some curls of the pages of the Bible. What do you think? As the jumping jacks and jills go through the motions so they can feel even better about themselves as Christians because they did their devotions. They did their time with God and yet forgotten that we call it devotions because it should come from devotion to God, not out of a duty. It should be leading us to become more devoted to Him in a relationship that continues to transform us in Christ-likeness. The, the thing about praying out of obligation is it will only last so long that you'll do that, and it, it only goes so deep. Duty alone is often not a motivation enough to keep us consistent, especially when our duty starts to become a drudgery. And we can talk about how sometimes we feel like this is just something that we have to do, Then we're missing the want to in our lives. The desire isn't there that leads to a devotion and spending time with God. And so we do this duty of devotions without having to personally invest or even really connect with Jesus in any real devotion to Him. Man, are we grasping this? I've seen believers faithfully doing their devotions every day and yet be out of fellowship with God. Do we grasp how that should not make sense? We talk about the importance of our Christianity being a relationship. And yet our prayer and times in the Word can end up not being much different than those who are bowing down five times a day facing a certain direction. Our prayers come more from a priority of a religious ritual and not of a passion for God and a relationship where we want to connect. We want to communicate with the one that we love with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind and strength. A a, a word of caution. As we talk about this as it goes, we talk about moving forward in this way. For some, the solution to doing devotions out of duty is to not do devotions. In other words, not do anything. Not make regular times to personally connect with God and others because, well, I don't want it to be a duty. I don't want it just to be something I just go through. Instead, I'll just hit up God when I need something. I know we're talking about having a passion here, being devoted. But let's understand that two wrongs don't make a right. And this just happens constantly with church people who have been church people for a while. It says two wrongs make a right kind of thing. Like is, you know what? I don't want to be a hypocrite, so I just won't do anything. How is that also not being a hypocrite? Not obeying God and what he said. We... There comes that point in time, and there may be those those dark nights of the soul. There may be those dry seasons, that nonetheless we need to just do something. We need to spend time with that person in relationship, meaning specifically God, to spend time with God in relationship, whether we feel it or not. Especially considering when we're talking about a passion for God, it goes beyond emotions. And as we press in, even though we may not feel it, maybe we may not start with a devotion that's there, is that we're looking for that, is that we're expecting that, is that we're hoping through the Holy Spirit that He will fan into flame a real passion for God that is greater. I just want to get an idea of where we are at. And so... If you have those sermon notes, it's good that you would just look at those. I will put it up on the screen, but hopefully the sermon notes help you to be able to mark that because I've got a zero, one, two, and three on those pages. And the sermon notes, uh, that's not on the screen. But to rank or rate yourself, so to speak, zero, one through three. Now, this is not just going to be like, hey, look at that. Those are interesting questions, exercise. No, we're actually going to take time right here, right now, okay? So anybody that's thinking, well, I don't have to look at this. Oh, he'll be past it in like 30 seconds. No, he's not going to be. So just kind of letting you know. So I really want us to think about it. As we think about our relationship, where do we stand at the basics of the foundations of our faith? And these are some of the questions that would come up of what it means to be a healthy disciple. And so I just want you to think, from zero to three. Zero meaning zero, nothing. It really, I, I mean, for all intents and purposes, I really, this does not apply to me. Or three, for all intents and purposes, I, I got this down. I am doing this regularly. This is good. This is me, totally, a three. So we don't even have to think. One through ten, it's easy, zero through three. All right? Let's start with the first one. You see up there? On the screen, I pray consistently. It may be a little tough for those who are online, but again, I told you those sermon notes are available to you online. uh, And these are in the sermon notes online as well. I pray consistently. Now, here's what I want us to do. It's kind of like taking a test. Keep eyes on your own paper. Okay? If, if we can keep our eyes on our own paper, and I want you to say, you just look down, I'm not going to say everybody close their eyes and put your hands up kind of thing because there's a sense that we need to be confessional here. And to what extent that you would do that is going to be up to you. Uh, eventually, it may be something that we, I know this is something that we've handed out uh, with more questions than this to our leaders to really reflect and to think about where they are with the Lord. So each of the Board of Ministries and the Board of Elders have gone through not only these questions, but many more. So first one, I pray consistently. Let me just ask, while we all keep our eyes on our own paper and not on the person beside you, let me just ask, how many here would say, I am probably, I would rate myself somewhere between a zero and a one, a zero or a one. Just put your hand up. Maybe we're willing to admit I got a zero or a one. All right? All right. How many would say, I'm kind of in the middle of two? Anybody say a three? Okay. Let's move on to the next one. And and let's understand if for some reason we get our eyes off our own paper on the other person, that everybody grades themselves differently. Some of us are very generous and gracious. And some of us are not so gracious. It's like, I will never put a three for me, you know. And so this is just a general kind of, let's think about it. All right, next one. I pray and spend time alone with God regularly throughout the day. How many would say probably a zero or a one? Hand up. All right. How many would say a two? How about a three? All right. Next, I listen for God as much as I talk to God during prayer. Is this you or is this not so much you? How many would say a zero or one in this one? Okay, got a lot more there, right? A two. How about three? There are some. We have with threes. I pray regularly for the lost. And, and I think you can interpret it however you want. It's for the lost. Uh, oftentimes there is a particular lost one that we have, and so that counts. We obviously want to pray for those even beyond that. But I pray for the lost. How many? Zero to one. Okay. Two. Three. I would venture to say how many of those or three have someone in their life that is part of the impetus to pray in that way yes okay i maintain a growing and active devotional time i maintain not a devotional time i don't do my devotions i maintain a growing and active devotional time 0 to one, 0 to 1 0 or a 1 sorry how about 2 Three. Okay, thank you for holding your hands up long enough for me to be able to see. I, I meant that. I wasn't joking. All right, next one. I can give testimony of specific answers to prayer. How many of that honestly would just be a zero to a one? A two? Three? That may be one of our biggest threes right there. Next, I know and understand the things that I can do to grow spiritually on my own. Zero to one. Okay. Two. Three. Okay. I think there's definitely, you can see, hopefully, as you're. Saying this before God, what are some things that we need? you need to start pressing in on? The last one, I practice spiritual disciplines beyond just Bible reading and prayer. Therefore, fasting, giving, serving, journaling, silence, those kind of things. I practice spiritual disciplines. How many would that be a zero or a one? How about a two? Three? Okay. There's more. Uh, Would say that really applies to them than I thought even in that but It is pretty much where I thought that we were at You know not only in talking with leaders and talking with many of you Oh, what's going on with you spiritually It's pretty much where at You know There are there are different areas. There are different holes here. There are different ways that we really are not Fully pressing in to god As we should I mean, if I were to ask how many here know and believe that you need to press into God's presence more than you are now, yeah, right? It's what we've got to do, and part of that is recognizing that as that we do that out of devotion for God. Sometimes we're looking and we know that we should do this. We all want this. Most, I think everybody had their hand up. We all want it. But sometimes the way we want it is trying to do it out of a duty. This is what we've got to do. I've got to do it. And so we put our effort into it uh, and, and eventually duty just doesn't last. But devotion, love, passion for God will carry us through that with the Holy Spirit. Enabling. Ah, we got to move on. I have no concept, but yes, I know we need to move on. Number two. You already know I have no concept. We can get a passion from devotions that leads to delight in God. Do we recognize that we have prayer needs or do we recognize the need for prayer? There's a difference there. Do you recognize that you have prayer needs? Or do you recognize that you have need for prayer? Not about getting a request answered. Not about getting God's will done. But ultimately it is about getting to know God deeper and growing in a relationship with Him that we were originally created for. That was meant to be in the very beginning with Adam and Eve where we lost that relationship connection through sin that entered into the world. But then we have the ability to surrender to our Savior Jesus, to receive forgiveness that He bought for us on the cross and to restore the relationship that helps us to press in closer to Him. Not because of the devotion we have for Him only. We talk about we're pressing in because of the devotion we have from Him. But as we press in to be with God, we find there is a delight in Him that helps to spur us on even further. That only grows greater the more we meet and connect with God, the more the delight to do that happens. There's a sense that as we open up God's word, as we begin to pray, we're saying like Old Testament Samuel uh, in, in chapter 3, speak Lord for your servant is listening. And when we ask that, we are, are asking in such a way that we expect that God will speak to us. That when we, just like Jesus, met with God in those mornings of prayer, at time alone with God, that when we get together alone with God, we are expecting that we will hear from God. That it's not just a, a, a religious exercise, but it is about a relationship that is taking place here that we will hear from Him. But, but it's not just speak, Lord, to me. It's not just speak, Lord, to me and tell me what I need to do. Tell me who I need to be. But in these moments, if we are going to have that devotions that leads to a delight that needs to be, not just speak, Lord, to me, but, Lord, speak with me. And do we hear the difference in that? Not just to me and tell me what I need to do and what I need to go and all that, but just speak with me. Just talk with me. And you know what? Jesus, I'll listen. I want to hear. Not just something for me, but just I just want to hear you. And sometimes there are those who feel like, "I, I, I don't know how to do that. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to pray. And often... That really means I just don't know the religious words that you're supposed to use. Well, you guess what? There is no special Christianese that somehow makes your prayers acceptable. That's religion. But in a real relationship, prayer is just talking with God just as real as you would talk with anyone else. Although obviously he is the king of kings and lord of lords. In the same token, he is obviously a father who loves you with an everlasting love. And if you're still unsure about how to talk with God, I just encourage you to open up the Psalms. Begin, right? You have to kind of open your Bible in the middle right there, the Psalms, and just go through. So many of them are very straight, real prayers, uh, conversations with others. Like, like Psalm 42 in verses 9 through 11. In Psalm 42, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go on mourning, oppressed by my enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taught me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? I, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Man, David just lays it out there. He just talks for real with God. There's some that still think, well, we can't really talk with God. Well, why not? When you look at the Bible, you see all kinds of messed up believers that just came and talked with God and he with them. Like Moses. Now, I know Moses went up onto the mountaintop. There's thunder and lightning. He came down with these 10 tablets all inscribed. But there were also other times where Moses met with God in a real and personal way. In fact, We see that in Exodus chapter 33, verses 7 through 11. There will be a couple of slides on this. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses as Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. With Moses. Not just to Moses. The Lord spoke with Moses. And whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance, they all stood and worshipped each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And Moses would return to camp. His young age, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. He met face to face with God as a man speaks to his friends. Other times, Moses wanted to press in even closer and closer than just that It was not something Moses was doing out of a duty, but it was out of delight that he wanted to be in his presence, in God's presence. In fact, it was noticeable that there was a delight on Moses' face. I don't know if any of you know what I'm getting at. See, what took place was when Moses spent time with God, and we see this in Exodus 34. And then talked about in the New Testament In 2nd Chronicles chapter 3 Or 2nd Corinthians chapter 3 New Testament Those verses are referenced there We don't have time to get into all of that uh, Today they're referenced in your notes But the point would be Moses spent his time with God His face became radiant His face lit up He, he in he wore a veil And there's much more to this He wore this veil uh, But what it said of us Is that when we in our relationship with God, and in our interaction with God. When 2 Corinthians 3 says that we with unveiled faces have something even more significant, something more, something different than what Moses has. We think about this whole relationship, Moses and God, a personal time together, friend, face to face. We've got something Moses never had. Including the Holy Spirit of God. And so, perhaps one of the questions, and there's so many, but one of the questions was do people notice that we've been with God in our time of devotions? Can people tell? Now, I'm not saying that you're, you know, there's something, wow, you look different today that you didn't look yesterday, but is there a sense that our relationship is so real, so tight with God, that it shows up on our faces with an unfading joy, peace, love. Because we delight to be with God. And that delight just shines. Pressing in closer to God doesn't happen through a cold activity, but through a personal intimate time that takes place between two individuals. God wants to meet with you. Do you want to meet with Him? A wholehearted attitude towards prayer, seeking and loving Him with all that you are. Jeremiah chapter 29, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when, 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 when you seek me with all your heart, a passion in prayer for God is what He's calling us to. Devoted, desires, yearning to pray more, not because we have to, because we want to. And when we grasp this, that's when prayer becomes a delight, not just a duty. A delight not just in some activity or some religious action. A delight that is actually in the Lord Himself alone. You know what? When we finally grasp that there is more delight in getting into His presence than in getting His presence, then, Psalm 16, You will make known to me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. Devotions are time alone with God that leads to delight in Him. Passion that presses in, that wants to. I know some have trouble with this whole phrase to even think about and to use the word passion, especially because they think Christianity is a religion that's supposed to be without emotion. And to be certain, we need to watch out that not just the emotional, but the mental does not become more fleshly than spirit led. But nonetheless, our relationship with God involves all that we are. Even saying that, though, passion, to be passionate in prayer, is really not about emotions. To be passionate, in prayer for God it is also not about somebody's personality. You know what? We all know passionate people, right? This person is just really passionate about a lot of things. They're they're expressive, they're intense. Even if you're more laid back than some, when it comes to our relationship with God, we should want to press in with a passion. However that may look to us, and the way it would look would be not indifferent, not apathetic, not complacent, not disinterested, not casual, and certainly not half-hearted, since we're to love Him with all of our heart. Because when we do that, it only leads to a slow chill that heads to hard-heartedness. The condition of our heart can be seen By the condition of our time alone with God. Passion happens in us. Passion doesn't happen to us in some special service with some exciting songs or some exciting sermon. Those can be temporary emotional reactions. A passion is something that is a permanent, volitional, willful, personal choice empowered by the Holy Spirit. Passion I know we're using that word last week and this week. And we say, oh, this is not a word I use. You know what? There is a word very similar that would be in most of our Bibles, English, the English word that's used. And that word is zeal, such as in Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Never be lacking in zeal. Now, we say, well, zeal. Yeah, you got to have zeal for zeal. You know, for doing this and doing that. Keep it in the context of here. Never be lacking in zeal, but keeping your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. I don't know about you, but this whole not lacking in zeal and having a spiritual fervor sounds like a passion that we should have for God. It's a pretty passionate verse. First and foremost, to love the Lord our God. With all our strength, with all our, our our mind, with all our soul, with all our heart, with everything we've got, and unfortunately, it's something. When we talk about passion, is something that we had for God, because ultimately, well, it's like Revelation chapter two. Remember the angel. Jesus spoke to the angel of the church in Ephesus Getting to verse four Look at all the first five verses there But verse four says yet this I hold against you You have forsaken the love you had at first Other versions may say you've lost your first love You know it's it's easier to lose your first love If we never are rare or never or are rarely with our first love You with me? It's fairly easy to lose our first love with God if we never or are rarely with Him. That just makes sense, right? Spending personal time, devotions, connecting with Christ in prayer and the Word. We begin to lose that devotion when we just go through the motions, when we miss out on the delight of just being with Him. It becomes easier to lose our first love, being distracted by other things that we become passionate about or even may end up finding delight in. I've watched where political zeal and other causes have replaced spiritual passion in the lives of Christians today. They're saying they're just passionate about the truth but in all of it comes down short of an unchanging, eternal, absolute truth of the Word of God. In fact, we have gotten off of the primary focus of the truth, the way, the life, Jesus, the Word who ultimately matters. Paul says that what is more, In Philippians 3, 8, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of what? Knowing Christ. Not going through some motions, not some duty, not some religious stuff, but knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. There are other things that are not so trendy that we become distracted and lessen our first love of God with, whether it be leisure activities or hobbies or friends or family, even good things. Good things that we become more devoted to or we split our devotion between that and loving God. But you can't split it if we're to love Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Our devotions... Our time alone with God could and should lead us back to a devotion that is single-minded, all-out, giving ourselves totally to Christ in prayer with a zealous intent that will not be denied the opportunity, the privilege, and to hunger and thirst in His presence with a fire that burns for God. Are we thirsty? Are we dying of thirst, so to speak? As uh, Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2 says... As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? You know, here's this passion. Here's this desire. it thirsts, pants, thirst for the living God. And where is that thirst met? By meeting with God. Psalm 42. Meeting with God. Psalm 63, verses 1 through 5. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary. I beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I will lift up my hands. For I will be fully satisfied. I will take delight; I will be fully satisfied, as with the riches of food. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Is this where we are at with God? Are we doing our duty of devotions, even, or going beyond recognizing what is needed, what was needed for Jesus in His day. To begin His day is needed for each and every one of us to enter into a devotions. From a devotion to God that leads to a delight in God. Are we hungering and thirsting for Him? I want us to think about what we hunger and thirst for. Because we don't just... Part of this goes to our heart and our motivation. We don't just hunger and thirst for something that's good for us. You know, I, I don't want us to hear, you know what? This is what Jesus did. We should do it. That technically is a good, solid message. Nothing wrong with that. But that doesn't keep us going. It's about our heart motivation. It's about our will making the choice here. So understanding that we don't generally just hunger and thirst for something that is good for us. For example, it's become popular for a little while now. One of the popular foods is kale. I can tell you right now, I do not hunger or thirst or anything for kale. But they will say, it's good for you. Yeah, i still not sure I believe that either. Okay, but here's the thing. It doesn't matter how much you talk to me about how good kale is for me. Unless I desire it, unless I want it, unless I have a passion to eat it, I will not. So too, our hunger and thirst for God has got to be what drives us to God. And we've got to want it. And I recognize that for some of us that say, I'm just not there. Well, guess what? you got to start Somewhere. Meet God right where you're at because He wants to meet you where you're at. And through the power of the Holy Spirit working in these times together, He can stir up a greater hunger and a greater thirst. And the fact is, it's something that not just good for you, but when you really experience a personal time with God that is real, then it is good. Not just for me, it is good to me. And I want that. I delight in that. Don't wait. Begin now. To delight in him fed by our devotion to him. To become, to recognize that these times can become a blessing that we want to do and not just a burden we have to do. I ask that the worship team would come. whether this is your first time or whether this is whatever time it might be, uh, a time that you need to draw back to God. Maybe it's that, you know, our devotion to God and our devotions, our time alone have been, it, it's been good. But you know, it can be more. The reality is for many of us here today, it's not, can't really even say it's been good. God wants it to be more. So we just want to encourage you today, even now as we sing this song, to begin right here, right now. To come closer to God, to press into His presence right here, right now. And then as you leave here, to continue on in that. It may be that you would just come as, as we stand together and sing that you just come to the altar right here, so to speak, to just come and kneel down before him and say, Lord, I know where I was, but I know where I want to be and I want to be closer to you. And so symbolically, I just walk down here and God, I just want to come. And be with you. Increase in me. A passion for you. a Desire be set free that can lead to a delight in you so much more than I ever imagined. Father, help us now in this to not walk away from this as those who look at themselves in the mirror and see what needs to be different and yet we do nothing. We need you. This is a two-way relationship. And it's not just up to us to come towards you, but you desire to come towards us and help us even in this move, Jesus.